Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name's Carl Thomas and I'm from Essex. And you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, considering what we know about school and real life, if we had to now redesign the curriculum, what subjects would be included and what subjects would definitely miss out. Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Carl from Essex's question, how should we change the curriculum at schools? What should we lose or add? Carl, it's a quite a short bit at the start of the show, so uh, it's a tough one for me and Dane to deal with um, I think we should definitely keep geography and make more of geography and make like environmental studies day and that's my one there you go that's my one thing man. geography environmental studies does that include like ecology and stuff how? yeah like really get people obsessed more more when I was at school geography was boring and about contours uh, and I imagine you could make it more interesting I imagine they already do make it more interesting so I think make that more of a, of a focus and what do you reckon Dane yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think making people more ecologically conscious at school is a good place to start. Um, I would say I would. Um, We're not going to do history. I'd, let's not let's not worry about it. <laughs> Don't know how. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say what we definitely should add is just basically, um, I'd say like property law and understanding how property works should yeah. definitely be added to the curriculum. People should know how to be able to look for and acquire uh, property. Um, and I think we should get rid of maths because I've never seen anybody do standard deviation outside of a classroom in my life. So I don't, I don't know where it applies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, listeners, we'll, we'll happily hear your answers on this. How could we change the curriculum at schools? But suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, too highbrow, too stupid. So therefore, feel free to ask all of the questions. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a British reporter, DJ and journalist. As a journalist, he began his career editing Live magazine and ATM magazine before writing for the Sunday Times, Time Out, The Guardian and The Independent. He can be heard on TalkSport, The Guardian Football Weekly, as well as C4 News. And in 2018, he founded the online platform Blackademic and is the host and executive producer of their YouTube show, It's All Blackademic. And he's also a friend of mine. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Jordan Jarrett Bryan. Yo, yo, yo. Saturday, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good to see good, you. Good, good. That's a good intro voice as well. That, that was tone a... was perfect. I like that. <laughs> some people <laughs> hesitate. Perfect. Yeah, some people yeah. hesitate and then you were like, I'm no, in. I'm straight in. I'm he's, straight yeah, he's in. ready to go. He's ready to go. Um, like what do you think about things we could add or remove from the curriculum, uh, Jordan? So I liked your suggestion, Howard, regarding geography because it always, geography was always my best and worst subject because I like to think that I know quite a lot about the world and the globe, but it always baffles me how some people don't know like basic capitals of well-known countries it's like you didn't yeah. know that paris is like the, the capital of france and you like basic you, ones you, you, you think that's basic <laughs> i had a friend in school in geography who thought the capital well i say friend uh, it's a colleague acquaintance, classmate uh, yeah. acquaintance yeah <laughs> nice guy though but i'll protect his identity but uh he uh thought the capital of china was chinatown facts oh that's someone's father now so I think it's very important it could be international <laughs> capital of Chinese culture because there's many Chinatowns in some mistake I think well, every country has a Chinatown every country has a Chinatown yeah which is why it's yeah it's, uh, it's like that's kind of like saying like uh, that's the equivalent of saying like McDonald's really the <laughs> yeah, American capital America, yeah, capital well I mean America, I, I would say McDonald's is more America's embassy but I think yeah geography is a good one yeah yeah I would also add um, uh, I don't know what you call it 
it like cooking tech what they call it what they call the cooking one um Mm. food tech whatever they call it food tech yeah yeah You'd be surprised how important the education of understanding not only food, but where it comes from and how to cook can impact our lives. And we live, the countries that I think take take food tech seriously are the countries generally where they have a healthier, healthier population. So that's something I think in this country, I would definitely invest more time and money. It's a good idea because people tend to consider food tech to be like what's called a, a, a dosing course, a relaxed course, like as well as media studies. And even though, which is actually surprising because I'd say most of Generation Z now or Generation Z now want to work in like media or work in digital media. Mm. And um, yeah, I think the food one's so important in a world where, you know, we have more food banks in this country than fast food establishments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people could definitely learn, stand to learn how to cook right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it is probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates... Absolutely. And uh, Jordan's been a longtime friend and supporter of the podcast and mm-hmm. uh, vice versa. So, so I know you know the drilly, but we'd like to give it you the deal anyway, um, which is that we invite you as our esteemed guest to ask the first question, which we'd like to discuss. 15 minutes of some change. Then Howard here would like to pose a question to you and we'd like to discuss the his question for a similar amount of time. And then at the end, lather, rinse, repeat, I have a question for you which we'd like to discuss. And then I'd like you to let all of our listeners know where they can find out more about your good works, particularly know more about the Black Academic Network. Mm-hmm. And then we all go on to live filled lives and then ask all those to quadruple. And <laughs> Earth becomes a utopia and Earth becomes a beacon to other planets in our universe as we know it. <laughs> Sound like a plan? I like that. Yeah. Well, we'll start with the questions for now, though, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so you are invited to ask our first question. Okay. So uh, this is a question that I, I, I... Forgive me if I'm repeating some questions that's been asked before, but what would the world look like if it was just females? Oh, we've never had that before, Jordan. Mm-hmm. What wow. would the world be like if it was only women? And I get the kind of the the, the, the reproductive element of all that, but if we kind of just just indulge me for a second, there yeah. was only women on the planet. What would be the pros and the cons of that world? What inspired that question? Um, because if you've been watching The Last Man on Disney Plus, that would explain a lot. By the way, <laughs> I, I I haven't, I haven't. It's all it, right. It, yeah, it, I don't know. I guess something. Some I heard some friends of mine, colleagues at work, a few years ago, kind of posing the the, the point or the question, or more to the point, that if there were more women leaders, the world would be a better place. And I don't inherently disagree with that, but I think that there are qualities and traits that women have many of which are fantastic, some not so good, as with men. So the idea, and I think there was, I saw something about a year ago that said that um, all the countries that are run by women generally are progressive and prospering. Um, so mm. I'm kind of thinking, let me extend that to the world. If there were only women on the planet, I thought, what kind of world would that be? How would that world, what would it look like? What would be the, the feel and the tone? And what would be the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons? I reckon I reckon football matches would end with very limited violence uh would yeah. be my one one definite thing that that is uh well that well toxic masculinity would 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 be, I guess be totally dim, dismi- uh, diminished right Dane uh I mean I'm just taking time to seriously consider my answer <laughs> I'm well aware that there are three heterosexual cisgender men that are pondering a world <laughs> of women only I don't, I, and I, what I don't want to do is mansplain the landscape of this new reality but that's why it's interesting we're three men so it's interesting <laughs> yeah. because our I'll perspective on what yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah I do uh, it, no I get the logic Jordan <laughs> I understand the logic completely <laughs> that doesn't make me any less apprehensive but no uh, <laughs> I um, <clears throat> I mean, I would say, I'd like to think first of all, yeah, in some place. I'm not sure how different would it be. I guess it would depend on what ideologies would be coming along with the feminine, because would there be like you know socialist um kind of countries with women only, or would they be capitalist? And are these uh, ideologies? Uh, masculine in nature or, or or feminine in nature but I'd say because on the one hand I, I agree like you know when you look at people like uh, uh, is it Jacinta Hearn right who's the mm-hmm. president is the prime minister of New Zealand New Zealand yeah yeah so, so massively uh, progressive um, but then on the other hand you have a Margaret Thatcher 
who I'd say we're still dealing with the after effects of a lot of her policies today. But depending so, on your politics, some would say that she was progressive. Yeah. I personally don't, yeah. but do you know what I mean? Some would say that she some was would, progressive. Some, some would say that, and I'd say to them, really get over your bias just because she has a <laughs> vagina doesn't mean she's perfect. So <laughs> get over it. Um, and yeah, so I'd say, I'd say, you know, it, but I'd, mm, I think what would definitely be, uh, I reckon, healthcare systems in countries would probably be a lot more uh, efficient than they are now because well, they definitely be they definitely be uh, sanitary products free for everyone you'd assume well, yeah, that but, would be san- the- but then again but even but sanitary products if people actually researched um feminine hygiene products in earnest which i imagine they would do under um a a matriarchy you'd probably not have just piece of disposable foam to absorb blue water um i think there'd be a lot more research into that i think just the technology that we take for granted as men that doesn't necessarily cater to women. So, for example, I reckon there'd be... So, child mortality would drop significantly because I think women would make more research into keeping women protected during childbirth. So, that would be reduced significantly. I think um, <clears throat> it'd be uh, a lot more care towards, I suppose... Um, yeah, I think just in healthcare in general would improve because I think uh, it's a feminine trait to be a lot more open and articulate... Um, your well-being a lot more than men do because even if you look at advertising today I think the f- the feminine of the species are much more open to talk about problems that ail them and stuff like that so I think that um, yeah if you had a problem it'd be a lot easier to uh, get treatment for it mm. because I think women openly discuss these things um, I'm going to be honest that- though and say Dane I'm going to be honest and say I, I just don't think it will work <laughs> Jordan, that's, that's okay. the world or yeah, I think the world. I, I, I think the the you know, and you know, let me make sure that I don't really fuck myself in a public setting. <laughs> We've well, I was just going to say. I mean, there's no women on this call. So we can afford as three men to say, be honest and do the backlash later on. Yeah, <laughs> the comments. Yeah. To, me, you know what I mean? to me, to just me, be honest. To me, life, you know, life is this, when it's natural, this incredible thing, right? And there's times I'm sure yeah, I'd use this call as a, a scenario, you know, and this, this chat with you guys, you know, we are three people quite naturally talking and, it, and I don't feel, you know, nature is, is everything, you know, that's why we love, um, you know, going to a forest or a beach or a dog, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. And nature is, you know, a, about these two different, uh, and obviously there are more than two different gender uh, uh, denominations, but we have men and women and, and it's been fucked up <laughs> by many, many, many generations of um, behaviour and attitudes and and things corrupting our relationships. But on, on a kind of core level, the relationship between men and women can be a beautiful thing and to take that away from society, I think would be incredibly damaging. But you say, I mean, but we're discussing that if, if men just disappeared. So this is just like, I suppose like uh, maybe a, a freak accident where all the men get taken up by some kind of alien. Well, this, this is so, Last Man on Disney+. Plus. I know I sound like I'm advertising it, but I'm not. But yeah, like, it's why The Last Man. Yeah. I, I've, seen, no, I've heard of it. And, yeah, and, yeah. and basically there's something that wipes out all men, and uh, pretty much, apart from one, which you can probably guess from the title. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you watch a society of, of women uh, kind of trying to survive this kind of apocalypse. Which I think can work, but I think the problem with the idea of having one man left on the planet, for me, it either sounds like dystopian science fiction or or really utopian porn porn film. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it kind of varies between the two of them, really. Yeah. Um, do you think that, um, do you think that the, is greed inherently a masculine thing? Because I think we can agree much of the world's evils are because people are greedy. The reason why you have yeah, yeah. trillionaires and you have people that have minus a trillion, they have nothing, is because there's a, there's a system that, that, we, that we all know about. If do we think that's a male and or a masculine a male trait? And if so, if there were only women, do we think there'd be a much more equal society? Or is that is that a bit of a, a myth and wishful I, thinking? I, I think it's a good question because I think on the one hand, like you know, you could argue that obviously the masculine is supposed to pertain to us being hunters and gatherers, and acquisition is a is a masculine trait as well as like dominance in order for you to get resources. So on the one hand, you could argue 
that maybe women wouldn't be as inclined to like appropriate and hoard resources. But then at the same time, if we're talking about, are we talking about just human beings as uh, only women of the species, or are we talking about all animals on the planet? Because I was just thinking that like, for example, lionesses are definitely actively involved in hunting and gathering on their behalf. So imagine a world whereby like we have apex predators like tigers and or lionesses that were actively like preying upon women and you don't have men to protect them. So while I think more people would survive childbirth, when you get a bit older, it might be a bit harder because there's a lot more animals and a lot. And uh, yeah, we may be low in the food chain if you don't have. Um, I'm not saying that men, women can't protect themselves, but at the same time, protecting yourself while also maybe having a child and also hunter gathering and having to do multitasking, which we know women can do very well, might be a lot more difficult because, yeah. So we're being very nice here. Let's piss off some women now. What are the downsides? What are the, what are the downsides of having a, a total population of, of women? <laughs> Look at the silence. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I mean, I, mean I, feel, I feel like they'd be, they could be, the, it's going to be the same as um, like the downside. I don't think it could be. The thing is, we can, we can caveat anything we say by saying, we already know that when men are in charge, the world is fucked. Yeah, so yeah. we can also speculate that the world could be fucked because women are also human. So I'd say one of the downsides I think would be the same as anything else that like if the feminine hemisphere of the brain is emotionally led and you're able to act on that, it could very easily lead to uh, incidents on a much larger scale, um, basically becoming somewhat escalated based on emotion. And that might override logic in some instances. And also, you know, if they're like some of my lady friends, they, some women can't see their friends doing any wrong. So they may have supported them what they're doing anyway, even if it blindly, isn't typical. Yeah. yeah, blindly. So someone might be like, I think that we should get some warships outside of China. And their friends might be like, I agree, because I feel the same. I'm, I'm, I'm empathizing with you and I feel the same pain. I remember what she did to you. So let's do it. And someone might be like, that's bad diplomacy. And they'll be like, you've always been a fucking hater. <laughs> <laughs> so, what yeah, we need is a man here to say, no, that's yeah. a bad decision. Or at least, to kick exactly. In. Or at least to blame. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then I'm thinking, are we talking about, but then this is, this is where it gets confusing because are we just talking about a world of cisgender women? Because mm. would, that, would that, make, would that make the difference? Because then, the reason I ask that is because then, if we're not just talking about cisgender women, then you'd have a world that may be divided um, by... Bisexuality. You know, bisexuality. Or, or you may have a, a whole... Con- like, imagine if trans-exclusionary radical feminists are so opposed to trans women being considered women, that could create a whole new division on Earth. And then maybe you could get, like, an entire contingent or an entire entire nation of trans-exclusionary radical <laughs> feminists that, like, you know, um, restrict the rights of trans women. So it could go wrong like it goes wrong now. But then there was, did you hear about that? Um, you know, Bear Grylls, the survival guy, mm. he did um, the island where they did like a, almost like a battle of the sexes where mm. on one island they dropped like a bunch of guys and they had to fend for themselves. And another island they dropped women and they had to fend for themselves. And I think they left it like maybe a couple of days where the guys, obviously as hunter-gatherers, had put together like, you know, a few... Uh, rudimentary kind of like contraptions and facilities in order for them to like get pure water and stuff like that. Whereas I guess the women who arguably could have had the lack of confidence due to them living in a patriarchy in the end had to have some assistance from the producers. Otherwise they would have died. So uh, stop being but, nice, Dane. Stop being well, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm they being fucked nice. up and they struggled. Yeah. yeah that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they, fucked, they fucked up considerably because like, I think they were almost going to die because there was a lot of discrepancy over like who was going to be in charge and who was going to be involved in the water and who was going to take out the trash. And I think all of them were like, none of us here are taking out the trash. So I'd say, yeah, <laughs> downsides might be that uh, sanitation on the earth might become a problem because a lot of women I know do not like taking out the trash and those who are, they have to have their hands covered in, you know, refuse and bin juice. And so if that happens on a much larger scale, if we had a new uh, planet where it was women only, but they were having to clean up the myths of the previous earth that included men, that might be a problem if they were like, you know, I couldn't see like a bunch of women like working at a sewage plant and enjoying it. So I think for some of the jobs, I think they call the industries STEM industries, like science, technology, mm. engineering, manufacturing, like those jobs I reckon might suffer because they might require some masculine physical prowess. Mm. And like I said, I've never met a woman that's been like, well, you know, I'll just become a bin man to make some money. 
So I just mm. never, I don't think I've met a, I'm not saying there's no women at work as refuse collectors. I just never met one. Yeah, same here. No, no, no. And, and but that, that's, that's the big point, isn't it, basically, is, is, is given the kind of constructions of our society, would a new construction of that society through the eyes, through the minds and, 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 and the wiles of, of, of the female population eradicate those old problems and these many problems we face today, or would it, you know, would it, you know, would it go back to the way it was? And yeah, because you know. I think it just depends on the woman. Because I, it's like you know, on the one hand, I could see a Michelle Obama being the leader of the free world sounds amazing. A Kamala Harris sounds good, maybe to a lesser extent, but a world where Sarah Palin was president, mm. not sure how that would go. Or like a, a UK with like a. I mean, we've already had. I mean, we've had two primaries. We've had, yeah, Marie Le Pen. Imagine, yeah, or like a Marie Le Pen, and then with like a with a Margaret Thatcher in the UK, or even a um, a Theresa May. So, I mean, we've had two prime ministers uh, as women, and um, it's been very hard for me to tell the difference. Yeah, it, did, it didn't go well. We never do it went well because they had wombs, of course. But you'd think that people would, who are able to create life would give a fuck about human beings. But those two proved maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Good question, isn't it, Dane? What a question. It's, it was and a good question. I don't think we're going to get many complaints, which I'm... It was, yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> yeah, a good, yeah. good podcast while it lasted, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I might have just like lost all your women listeners in one go. Oh, <laughs> you know what? God. Genuinely, we've got a number of women, female listeners who kind of contact us. And, um, and, and hey, what do you think uh, it would be like getting in contact with us on our social media? Why not? Mm. Uh, Are we, I'm not sure if we're even allowed to use the word female. So uh, if there are feminists out there listening... Um, I apologise if we've used the term female correctly. The reason why, gentlemen, is because sometimes the word female tends to denote a animal rather than a person. So this is why you have to say woman instead of female, because female is more about a version of a species and can and can be perceived as being dehumanising to women. So I just want to make sure we're very clear that we're not trying to dehumanise uh, women. In our and just marriage. to add to that as well, I got told off by a friend of mine by addressing her and two other women as ladies. So I often kind of agree, hi, ladies, how are we doing? Because I just think ladies is quite nice and elegant. And I said, like, no, don't refer to us as ladies. Ladies has a whole different connotation that a lot of women don't particularly like. <clears throat> I've, I've not quite got to the bottom of what that is, but I was well, I was scolded for, and she's a good friend of mine, she was scolding me, she's like, we're not ladies, we're women. So just okay. to kind of reinforce, women is what most prefer but, to be called. But that, that being said, that does vary. So there's no like, unified thing. So, so no, like, no, of course, of course. Some yeah. ladies might enjoy being called ladies. The point yeah. is, I think, well, that, that's one thing I know for sure, there'd be a, that would be a large part of like, uh, you know, <laughs> parliament times, there'd be stuff like that every day. <laughs> yeah, what do you I, call us? <laughs> I don't like the term chicks. Well, I like being a chick. Well, yeah. I like being a bad bitch. What's wrong with you? Like, I would de- I, I would watch I'd watch part you know Parliament TV is like, yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah. if we just had a world of only women, I'd definitely watch it. It'd be so good. Like every day. There'd at least be one point dedicated to like obviously it would all be very structured and I still be very professional, but I think there'd be at least five minutes dedicated to making Parliament look like, you know, um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I'm here for that all day. I think because I think, you know, I think women would handle diplomacy like, you know, normally when politicians have conversations at the UN and they're like, I condemn this. I condemn this. Blah, blah, blah. Embargo. Boring. But I think if it was all women, women would be like, what are your ugly ass troops doing in my country? Come why on. You, why exactly? Why are you jealous? Because of the vegetation, Teresa? That's why you jealous? That's why you're over here in Burkina Faso? Because there's no sun in the UK? That's why your skin looks so pasty, girl? Get yourself a contour. And everyone's like, Good. Well, I'd watch that. I'm glad yeah, exactly. at the end of that question, we potentially fuck some people off. Um <laughs> So, uh, but a brilliant question. Uh, uh, over half of the population of the planet. More to be fair, actually. Yeah. I think <laughs> oh, no. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's uh, it's a great start to the show, and um, I'm gonna skew into a slightly potentially darker territory uh, with my question. <laughs> um, when and it's non. Uh, non gender based, but it, it does actually link to elements of gender, um, which is um, we don't do tons of sport on this show. It's not a sports podcast by any means, but sport, I think, is, is a massive thing in our, you know, entire, you know, existence on this planet. The, the place it has is huge. And when big things happen in it, I think a show like Question Everything should should try and look at some of those issues and and, and try and uncover what's going on. And uh, and with our learned guest, uh, I thought it was really worth asking the question about <coughs> what the fuck do we do with Saudi Arabia and Newcastle? Uh, and because this is a headline, this wasn't like, oh, it's something that happened on the sports pages. Like this was the front page of most newspapers and uh, news websites. And, you know, to just, I mean, I, I don't know if, Jordan, you fancy telling listeners you might not know the bottom line here of what, what, what has happened. Yeah. So basically, Newcastle United, a Premier League, Premier League football team. Um, a been, mediocre Premier League football team. I mean, a you're mid-table. Mid to lower table. Mid to lower table. Mid to lower table. Mid table at best. You're being nice there. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> they're an average Premier League side in here in the UK. A barely um, average. <laughs> 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 I, just, I just want to say a uh, shout out to former pod. Uh, a former guest of the podcast, Fumbi Amatayo, uh, comedian <laughs> and a Newcastle supporter. That this, yeah. what we're talking about now, has nothing to do with you as a person. And I hope you're doing well, my brother. <laughs> where, where were we? Yeah. A barely, a barely. <laughs> <laughs> they get on the pitch most weeks, basically. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> struggling Newcastle United team. Um, we're, bought, <laughs> we're bought over, bought over, bought out, and taken over um, by a consortium um, from Saudi Arabia. And this has caused a lot of ruckus because the regime that have bought Newcastle United are one that have a really bad record in terms of human rights. Um, they're basically, they are pretty much the state of Saudi Arabia, the people that run that country, therefore implement the laws that, you know, to prevent women from <clears throat> having complete equal rights. They have... Um, uh, policies around homosexuality in their country um, and they the most high profile anoints um, and again I'm being nice there that people have with this regime is that they're the regime that now I don't want to get your podcast sued or taken off air so I'll add allegedly um, even though there's concrete there's some strong proof to, to, to denote that they were the regime that allegedly I'll say again murdered a journalist on Saudi soil so as a journalist myself, that obviously I have two hats on as a human being. I don't want people to be murdered. <laughs> but also as a journalist, I don't want people to be murdered for doing their job. And the whole issue was that he wasn't even there as a journalist. He was there to try and, I think, get a uh, a, a visa or something to travel or something like that. Um, so, yeah, so the whole regime taking over Newcastle United has caused a lot of ruckus because people feel this is wrong, this is immoral, that this particular regime should be able to own something that is so precious and so prestigious many people in in this country so that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the actual story <clears throat> and you mentioned Howard that you know this isn't a football podcast so I won't go into the, the weeds of the football winning issues that this story has kind of um brought up but what I think this story has made interesting is something that I've thought for the last few years it's brought up the issue of what I believe to be a human trait I don't think it's something we get I think it's a human trait and it's hypocrisy I believe we are all hypocrites to different levels, to varying levels, but we are all hypocrites. Now, when this happened, I was on my soapbox talking about 
yeah, this is wrong. Why should Newcastle, you know, it's wrong that they, they get taken over by a state that do this and that and blah, blah, blah. This is wrong. Blah, 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 blah. And then I thought, hang on a minute. Okay, so first of all, what would I do if they took over my club, Arsenal? We're all Arsenal fans here. What would I do if they had bought my club? Would I have stopped supporting Arsenal? I probably wouldn't. So therefore, I'm a hypocrite. And the second thing is, um, all the football clubs that are owned by billionaires, probably even millionaires, you don't become a a millionaire as far as I'm concerned unless you're involved in some dodgy stuff. Now, again, to varying different degrees. Mm-hmm. But you don't amass that amount of wealth unless you make certain decisions that are going to impact certain people negatively in, mm-hmm. in, in a quite negative way. So I'm a hypocrite to say, and take it beyond football, the things that we buy, the, the, the companies that we spend money with, the things that we do, we are all in complicit in some way of funding, supporting, assisting a company that's that's, that is that is uh, supported by a regime or another company that is doing some dark shit. So it highlights for me the issue of hypocrisy. Should a Newcastle fan be condemned for supporting their football club because it's now owned by a Saudi regime? Well, no, I don't think they should be condemned for that. However, I don't also agree that they can just do nothing. This idea that, oh, what can I do? I'm a, I'm a fan, it's not my decision. No, what you can do is educate yourself on what this regime, who they are and what they do. What you can do is not put a, a rag scarf on your head outside James's Park <laughs> and dress like a Saudi and be madly inappropriate to a particular culture. And the third thing you can do is to honour the man that was killed um, by saying his name, showing his picture, respecting his life and his family. That doesn't mean you don't go to your, that doesn't mean you don't go to the football club and, and watch the games. But there, so there are things you can do. But equally, I'm not going to be condescending to a Newcastle fan who wants to continue to support their football clubs. Essentially, yeah. oh, they're a football or, fan. Yeah, and also as a Newcastle fan, like they should already have had a long life of condescension anyway. You still support that very, very... They've mellow, had it hard, hard enough yeah, already. Yeah. Like your life's been hard enough that condescending is a natural part of your day-to-day anyway by just supporting Newcastle. I mean, the thing so. about it is this, like, as well, you know, you kind of you kind of mention this, but I just dig in a bit harder on it just for people who who, who may not be fully versed in the ownership of, of major football clubs. Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal, unless I'm completely mistaken, Jordan, are owned by American owners. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Now, anyone got any issues with America? Uh, it's, I have a few. <laughs> it's not a very, we could just, you know what? Me and Jordan and Dane could write a list on Twitter of our issues with America after this show comes out. And it'll probably be a pretty meaty list. Um, you know, going back in history, um, long-term history, uh, going back in mid-term history, uh, as in uh, black ops that were, <laughs> were were very well documented. Um, I mean, if you're, I, re- I imagine you, you'd, a few pages would include what we just discussed with Saudi Arabia and alleged extrajudicial killings of journalists would also well, involve like some references to America as well. well like, so. um, you know, um, after 9-11, uh, you know, the detainment camps that still exist... You know, like there are, that is a human rights violation on a massive scale. But, and, and this is the bit that I think, and I, I kind of look at, you know, I, I know you do a lot of work with, with, with Channel 4 and The, and, and the Guardian and, and I massively respect those publications. But at the same time, I'm not sure I completely agree with modern discourse on mainstream media publications anymore. I think, and that, and that sounds, makes me sound like I'm some guy who's got his own YouTube channels d- saying, well, this is what's wrong with it. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, I think there's more to the picture. Howard, Howard you do have your own YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not on there going, did you see what the Guardian said yesterday? Excuse me, you know? literally tw- 50 minutes ago, you was like, and the women couldn't do it. They <laughs> <laughs> couldn't. If it was just women on the planet, it would fail. Uh, it's fail. Very good. Very good. That's, that's as YouTube as it gets, Howard. That's as YouTube as it gets. <laughs> I'm trying to raise a son. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, fuck this off and just just mock me then. Fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm gonna. I mean, they, I, they, no, I'm keen to hear your your views on, on, on the, how the Western discourse has, has dealt with this issue. Because to me, you know, Western it, media. It, sorry. It, 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 we when we reflect back our own. This is what you mean about hypocrisy right when you reflect back our own existence 
you know, who is to say, you know, and look, I, I find this very awkward in some ways because I really respect, like I say, those publications or those broadcasters. But the fact that the Glazers and, and, and you know, many other very people from very corrupt backgrounds. Abramovich, fuck me. Go oh, and yeah. read up on Roman Abramovich. Yeah, yeah. Right? right, exactly, yeah, yeah. Why is it these people are the ones that are getting put across in this way as these evil owners? And I'll tell you, I think there's, there's two reasons. It, the, the Khashoggi thing makes it an easy target. It's just a really yeah. easy thing because you definitely understand that these people yeah, let's, allegedly let's, 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 let's not pretend that like journalists have died in a number of countries well, and isn't and, and, that, and, and that's and, why it's kind of yeah. absurd. But it's just because he's one that caught the imagination. It caught people's imagination because it sounded like a fucking scene from Scarface, yeah. right? Where they where they chop this guy up and it's fucking allegedly, but it's mm. fucking disgraceful, obviously. And the second reason is race. Of course, it's to do with race. You look yeah. at these; these are these are people. Saudi Arabia. Everyone gets there. Look at what the fans are doing with the way they're <laughs> they're celebrating. You know, it, 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 there is a inherent racism towards these people. Whereas you you look at the guys running. You know, I mean, the, the, it, the, there's no other. Um, you know, Abramovich got no outrage, and he wouldn't. He just still doesn't get any outrage to this day. So I think there's yeah. massive hypocrisies, as you're saying, Jordan. Well, yeah, I mean, on the subject of, of, you know, Russian oligarchs, you know, extrajudicial killings have been performed on British soil. And, you know, we've seen people being uh, hit with polonium umbrellas and then the whole Novichok thing, which even uh, caused, you know, a... um, the injury of a member of our our metropolitan police. So it's interesting. But, yeah, I I think it's it's interesting. It's a really good point on on the uh, nature of... Just, yeah, the, the hypocrisy of like, you know, wealth and investment and stuff as well. Because Abramovich, I think, is a really good example. But then it's kind of like any time, it's, I don't know, it's always that evil of investment as well. Because, for example, like, you know, so far as um, having a, a Jewish state, which we all, which is another discussion in itself. And we've had on many episodes. Yeah, we have many episodes. But, but the fact that a lot of support comes from the U.S., which also seems to be the only nation I've ever seen where the last had the last tiki torch protest, where where people were heard to say Jews will not replace us. So I imagine there's probably a conflict from you know a lot of Israeli people where we're like America supporting us. Isn't this the country where the company LG Farben who supplied the gas for gas chambers based? Mm. So you know I think whenever you're going to deal with capitalist investment, there's always going to be that element of amorality. And so, <clears throat> yeah, that we all observe some level of hypocrisy all the time because I would say while we could, you know, why people were like, you know, it's very amoral to be taking an investment in a, of a, a football team taking investment from a corrupt regime. I'd say football is probably the least of our worries in terms of where they're investing. I think if we were to really take a look at the full scale of investment that comes from despotic regimes or I guess, arguably bespoke regimes like Saudi Arabia, then there wouldn't be a lot of finance anywhere. I think, do you remember the film? Um, I want to say, is it, it might have been either Bowling for Columbine, but one of the Michael Moore films. What was, what was, was it Fahrenheit 9-11, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's it, yeah. This Fahrenheit 9-11, yeah. And I think at the time, Saudi Arabia accounted for, through their investments, 1% of America's entire economy. Hmm, through okay. a number of their investments. And it's like, even over here, I know that like the, the, the sword groups, like all of our theme parks and like the planetarium and stuff is also a Saudi-owned company as well. So, um, yeah, I think if any, especially in the UK where we have been referred to historically as a nation of shopkeepers, I think anytime you want to look at like um, the paper trail, there's always going to be some amoralities. So, yeah, I think it can be very hypocritical to like, talk about like a, a football team and where those finances come from because you know who who is the per- while I agree with the semantics of it who would be the one to uh, to say that it's um that's amoral because in this country we're still paying off slave owners until 2017 2016 yeah, right wasn't it 2017 yeah, yeah. So still paying yeah. yeah still paying compensation the, to former the, slave the, owners the, so. the thing that I think uh, and I you know I think if any listeners don't follow football they may want to go and have a, have a look into this if they if it interests them but I just think we're at a point in history where, you know, our biggest challenge will always be this environmental, for, for, for the rest of 
our time on this planet, environmental issues will be the the predominant focus and uh, what will be increasingly become the predominant focus. And I just can't help but think it's time for people to start with people. I know that phrase ripping off the bandaid or whatever, but like, and just go, this is all fucking awful. Isn't it? How the, how the, how, how the powers like, and, and, and I think football is a perfect embodiment and not to get too philosophical, but like, I think sport is actually an incredibly wonderful thing. The stories we hear that come out every, on Olympic, you know, when, when Olympian wins and it's, a, it's an Olympian with this incredible backstory, we all get sucked into that story. You know, you look at Bakayo Saka, who plays for Arsenal. There's something about that guy because he plays with a bit of a smile at times. That that and he's this young kid and there's something and he's so gifted. There's something wonderful about sport. And if all it turns into is a place for the evilly made wealthiest people on the planet to invest loads and loads of money, it's just very, it's, very it's, 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 it's hawk couture um, people trafficking when you think about it. Hmm. It's like you know, or human chess. It's like you know, we're buy they're buying and selling players for exorbitant <clears> rates and like. You know, as that as that appears to be more lucrative, because I think a lot of people argue that football teams have become a way for oligarchs to wash their money and for them to launder money. And as that becomes more popular and more viable a method for them, then you're going to see, like, I think one of the things I noticed when Abramovich bought Chelsea was a massive change to the transfer market, mm. where, you know, uh, cost of players started going through the roof and then mm. it became a process of hoarding. And I never really saw football as that. I really always saw football as working in terms of, like... Um, <clears throat> Somewhat of a an element of there's element of competition as well as meritocracy. And one thing I used to enjoy about watching football pre-Abramovich was that you would see like diamonds in the rough and undiscovered and talent from the from the European continent that you wouldn't normally see when you watch things like the Champions League or UEFA. Mm. And uh with the emergence of oligarchs buying football teams. That's like almost think, over. That's almost over. Yeah, Leicester yeah. City was this random occurrence that, that yeah, got people exactly. on board. And that was funny enough with a foreign owner who's a millionaire from Thailand who sadly passed away uh, in a tragic circumstance. But yeah. um, those stories can still exist, can't they, Jordan? And uh, we're, we're going to have to move on in a bit, but I'd love your closing thoughts just, on it. I just wanted to... Sorry, Dave, did you, did you finish your point there? Sorry. Well, no, I was just, I was just saying that, yeah, it, it just seems that, like, with the whole thing is that the football um, used to kind of... I think one of the draws of football was, like, you know, the element of competition. Like Howard said, we like to identify in a... Uh, humanitarian way with these feats of uh, athletic prowess and these feats of physical strength and so when we see footballers growing and teams growing like we used to kind of like attach ourselves to that journey as well which is why everyone kind of liked the idea of like Leicester coming out of nowhere and it's like football based what Cinderella made people story love Ian Wright yeah I mean, like, yeah, yeah, same thing with Ian Come Wright as well nowhere, yeah, yeah and it's, but now nowadays it's like football seems much much more predictable whereby like even if we look at some of the luminaries of football now like as good as we see someone like um, Mo Salah, I remember when he was at Basel, again, like a diamond in a rough playing in mm. like the, the, the Swiss League. Swiss League, yeah. But then, you know, immediately when his potential was shown, Chelsea bought him, then they benched him. Mm. And he had to go back to Basel, then to Liverpool, and then, you know, and then been able to realise his potential now. But then when you look at play, I look at players like Daniel Sturridge and Sean Wright Phillips, um, Scott Parker to an extent, um, hmm. even like uh, I think the Johnson to an extent like um, uh, Arden Robin like a lot of players where I feel like through this through that uh, the bottomless pockets of Chelsea buying players and benching players and at one point Chelsea had two teams whereby I think they had they had like Michael Ballack and Frank Lampard and like um Jeremy, Claude Mac- yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy. And, and like I think they had like Claude McAuley and John Obi Mikel, like in the same squad. It was, and it was just like, it was nuts, yeah, yeah, it's like you know, it's just I just think the whole, I think the whole industry suffers through the fact that it's used in this um, kind of way of like treating human beings like stock and kind of, if anything, just takes aside from the amorality of the source of this capital, I think it just takes away from the sport itself and from players being able to develop themselves. And just to kind of finally just add back onto Newcastle, my reason why I want them to suffer and I want them to go down and do really poorly is because one of your favourite topics, I know, day in politics, Newcastle, definitely the North, were very big proponents in Brexit. And no matter what they say, it was all about foreigners out, let's get, let's get Britain being Britain again. 
But all of a sudden now, a foreign regime want to spend on your city. And it's like, come, come, come. Yeah, come. We want you now. And I'm very uncomfortable with that level of, again, hypocrisy. When the immigrants and the foreigners don't do nothing for you, you want them all out. And I don't know if Newcastle voted Brexit, but I know the North did. Yeah. So I'm going to put Newcastle within that. But the minute that you get some investment or the, the, a hint of investment on your in your city from the foreigners, oh no no no, you you guys can come, you foreigners can come here. That's fine. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't I don't like that. Um, I think that it's a very very too. salient point to conclude this question, and it's um, one that I'd have. I think, I think, and I think yeah, football. Like I said, Howard, England England uh, football is always a nice. It's almost like a nice microcosm of showing British society, and yeah, I think. It's a, yeah, it's a really good point, Jordan, about the point about immigration and, uh, you know, uh, the contribution of fo- uh, foreigners to the United Kingdom. I think, yeah, if people are so insistent on having Britain for the bridge, why don't we focus on having a more, uh, a league that's more made up of domestic talent then? Yeah. As opposed to dropping your pants in glee whenever foreign investment comes around. Yeah, like nothing but some hoes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for answering that so honestly, Jordan. And um, Dane, over to you for the final question of today's well, it's been a brilliant show already. It's been a good show. It may be our last show, so it serves that it's been a good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so moving forward, people will have to subscribe to Howard's YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Hypocrisy with the Hizza coming soon. Um, but yeah, my question, I think quite quick. So obviously, Jordan, I've known you for a long time and yes. uh, we've uh, been able to maintain a good friendship uh, mm-hmm. as our careers have progressed. Although when I spoke to Howard today, Howard put me up on some game, which I wasn't aware of. Um, so my question is, and you can expand on this as much as possible. Um, Jordan, what's this about about basketball, bro? <laughs> I, tell you I do my like research, that. Jordan. I do I like my research, that. mate. Okay, so basically, for those listeners that don't want bit of context, so... I have a prosthetic leg. I have one leg, basically. I'm peg leg. Since when, Jordan? <laughs> that it was funny. Crazy. Before I kind of explain more about my situation, I did a panel talk on Wednesday. Um, and uh, it was it was uh, Murky Books. I've got this book out that they've, they've blessed me to be involved in. Nice. And Akua, who's part of the, the team there. Shout out, Akua. Uh, so you know Akua. Of course you know Akua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, we did this talk on Wednesday and after I ended the talk, I, I was a live audience, lots of kids there, blah, blah, blah. I spoke about the disability in my leg. Akua, after the show was finished, dragged me, dragged me to one side. So Jordan, I had no idea you had a prosthetic leg. I had no <laughs> idea. What, what made me laugh was she said to me, how shit at my job am I that I've known you all these years? Me too. I didn't know you had one. Me too, Jordan. Remember, my job, my job started observational. How embarrassing. <laughs> and and how would you, you would know Barry Glenn Denley from the Guardian oh Football God, Weekly yes. podcast. I did a thing for um, November, uh, some thing, talk sport, they talk about mental health and all that sort of stuff. And in it, I was asked on, on his video clip about how I dealt with having a prosthetic leg at school and talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Barry texted me like three days ago and said, you absolute fucker. I've known you, again, I've known you a little while. I had no idea you had one leg. That's so, um, my leg, my disability is quite minimal. So, I always feel a little bit of a cheat, even calling myself disabled, because I guess if you've got no foot, you're disabled. But it's so minimal. I, I feel a little bit of a, of, a, of a fraud. When I was 18 months years old, uh, when I was born, sorry, my foot was born deformed. So, I three toes like a turtle and my foot wasn't quite formed properly so when I was a year and a half years old they amputated my foot from the ankle down just the ankle down to just cut my foot off and since then I've had prosthetic legs but because I had it so so young it was almost a blessing because you can't well I couldn't walk anyway so I didn't have to relearn to walk Mm -hmm. I've got friends that have had their leg amputated for various reasons at eight nine ten fifteen you have to relearn to walk. And obviously I'm below the knee. A lot of my friends are above the knee. So when they're walking, they're walking with a limp. Mm. They kind of, it's obvious there's something wrong with them. Whereas if mine, because mine's so minimal, unless you, when you see me next time, Dane, you'll look at him and you'll be like, oh, I see it now. I hope I don't because (laughs) on the one hand, like I feel like um, I I don't want to be negligent for not noticing it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's because I guess it comes from approaching everybody in good faith. 
Because a, a lot of time, if you if you don't if you're not looking for something, then you wouldn't see it. So um, and nobody nobody sees I'd, it. I'd rather, I'd, I'd, I'd rather continue as normal, to be honest with you. Perfect. So, yeah, so yeah. that's that's my disability, um, and I've had it since I was young. And unless I talk about it, no one knows about it. I'm a humble guy. I don't like to, you know, mm. I'm a I'm a great guy, and I got one leg. Ha <laughs> ha. What are yeah, you doing with your life? And also, and also, <laughs> exactly, and also a, re- a, re- a regular guy. So if it don't need to come up, why should it come up? I mean, exactly. That's exactly. the what that's the world we're working towards, whereby we don't have to you exactly know, cares, about disabilities. Um, that's what we're working towards. Whereas Howard's like, yeah, too, but no women. <laughs> I love all women. I want to make it very clear. I married a woman. Uh, you know. That's like, I've got a black friend, Howard. <laughs> farewell, listeners. Farewell. My mum's my mom, my a woman. I, I love women. <laughs> So to answer your question and conclude, um, so I started playing wheelchair basketball at 13 because I was playing running basketball at school. I was very good. But with a disability, you can't go, like in the Premier League, you can't be a Premier League footballer one leg. So there's only so many so so many levels you can go up. So I played wheelchair basketball, played for Great Britain for six years, uh, eight years. Hmm. Played for, in Italy for four years, professionally for a club out there. Retired about four or five years ago. Um, and I loved it. It's a great sport. I loved it. Made lots of friends for it. Got lots of working opportunities for it. Travelled the world for it. I loved it. This um, is the coolest thing I've heard, Jordan. I feel terrible that I've not taken the path. <laughs> To hear this amazing part of your life. Like, you should be embarrassed. Like, Howard's known I, me for like two minutes and he knows more about me than you, Dave. I'm you so, should feel absolutely disgusted with yourself. I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I thought like, you were my friend. Yeah, I mean, I did too. I did too, but it seems I'm just an idiot well-wisher that's been along for the ride after the glory. Hanging along, man. It's a, but it's, it's a fucking wonderful story to hear. I'm so, yeah, you're so glad you've written a book. That's amazing. Um, so I hope that's followed up. And It's, it's, it's not my book. I, I've got a, um, they've written a book about me in the book that's great no i think i I think i think it's i think that's amazing and i want to know based off the back of this uh revelation like would you say the framework for disabled athletes because i mean i like the idea a because you know being a a british national uh, as a black dude being able to play basketball and having those opportunities that i think when most people think about basketball it's normally seen as like obviously there is a thriving league and there is in in the uk and you do have leagues and the sport is here established somewhat but obviously most people think of the NBA and obviously now there is going to be a uh, NBA equivalent in, in on the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. And obviously, but in places like Greece and Italy, I know there's basketball's very healthy as a sport. So I guess what I want to know off the back of that is that obviously you enjoyed the experience, which I'm glad you did. Is there a very healthy uh, industry on, and, uh, and I guess what's what I'm looking for, like framework or like a scene for like disabled basketball in this country? So it says a lot about, I mean, our friendship and how and how much I know you that when you started that question, what I thought you were going to ask me is, so how do you have sex with one leg? And how how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to ask me. We're going to do that on my YouTube channel, actually. <laughs> uh, so do you keep it on or do you take it off? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, and that's your actual question. There, There is a, a thriving um, wheelchair basketball league in this country. It's not professional. The professional leagues are in Germany, Italy, Spain, and Turkey. Those are the leagues that, that, that pay. And I know uh, it's really like, I've got fr- I've got one of my best friends, Gas Chowdhury, who's a captain of the GB men's team. He plays for a team in Spain, Alicante. Um, and they get well paid for that. There's not, it's not professional here. Um, hence why all the British players do play abroad. Well, that's the uh, one thing we need to do straight away. Then if we're going to be taking investment from Saudis into football, let's start investing in... <laughs> Wheelchair basketball. That's insane that we haven't done that. That's insane that we haven't done that in this country. So just got a culture. And the thing is, basketball, I read, is the highest played team sport after after football hmm. at grassroots level, more than cricket, more than hmm. rugby. So there's, there's basketball is massive in this country. It's running and wheelchair. Yeah, it's just not invested into the level that it is on the continent and definitely in the States. And it's really good to hear in Africa they're taking it seriously as well. I think because... Obama's part of that as well, man. I think oh, is he? I've heard of rapper J. Cole playing in like the uh, on the continent brilliant, brilliant. Stuff as well. But brilliant. so I, I think that's amazing. Like, uh, but I, it is in in this country, considering the amount of uh, effort that goes into advertising and celebrating like the Paralympics, the fact that we don't have like a wheelchair basketball league or like a semi-professional or professional one or even basketball, 
That's crazy. So that's not for us to campaign for. Yeah, there's work being done, but it's just about one person being the person that decides I'm going to put the money in and sponsor this league. And really, in the way that Sky did with Netball about 10 years ago, Sky really got behind Netball and, you know, they put a lot of money into that. And boxing as well. I think wheelchair basketball needs needs something of of a similar kind of standing. I was going to say wheelchair boxing. Is that a thing? <laughs> well, I got an email from Friday from someone. So mad you mentioned that. It's called adaptive boxing. Mm. It's called adaptive boxing. And it's, um, I, I need to look into it, but someone emailed me on Friday saying, I do this new thing called adaptive boxing. Are you just in covering it? And I need to, I've got to put it in the read on next, read on Monday pile. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was busy at the time, but, um, there, there is boxing for disabled people at a very, very low amateur level. But yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I, yeah. I feel it's one of those things where I guess it's, it's the same <laughs> as the first question that you asked. Like we don't necessarily have to pun it that much, but I think, the opportunity should always be there. Of if course, you, of yeah, like, um, as I'm sure you can attest to that, like a a disability should not be a hindrance to people being able to participate no, in sports, all, even all. sports like pugilism. But obviously, on the other hand, I don't mean it in a way where it's like, you know, someone who's a primordial dwarf versus like a bear that you yeah. see in like you know, like in dystopian films Good, and stuff like I that. I don't think like, we've offended enough people that, on this show. Oh, yeah, this of course, we watch it, but like on a floating a floating ship outside, just somewhere outside of uh, Cam- Cambodia. <laughs> or like Macau on a ship we get to watch like these these uh, bum fights with like taser fists and I mean how far off we are how far because I, I think I said after Floyd Mayweather fought against Conor McGregor I was like we're, we're not that far off the running man I could definitely see that happening in real life <laughs> yeah. race. I think about that pretty much every week I mean the Squid Game's popularity is a sign of what's to come I think I'm telling you Howard you're absolutely right I think you know as soon as they're able to combine I'm a celebrity with it's a knockout. We're gonna we're gonna get it, Howard. We're definitely gonna get it. And I, I mean, how far off are we anyway? Americans don't watch public execution still, and also Saudi Arabia, as we mentioned, public execution still take place. So when we say we're not too far off, Howard, we're kind of already there. I mm. guess it's more about like you know who's got it invested in making that like a uh, publicly shown spectacle. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, nobody always stands <laughs> in the way. But no, Jordan, this is uh, again. I can't. I mean, uh, so how did you find out? And who who, who told you? How Howard told me. Oh, Howard. Okay. I was, okay. I was like, I was just like, like and then he was like basketball. I'm like, yeah, and he's a wheelchair basketball. I'm like, <clears throat> why? Just, <laughs> did, Marvin didn't tell you. The no, like, oh, Marvin, Marvin didn't say anything. He, no, no one, no one said anything. And a remarkable conclusion to this and week's it's not, episode. It's not, something, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something. It's not something I look for. So I, no, of yeah. course not. Why would you? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, to be I, fair, I, maybe Marvin doesn't even know. So Marvin, for context, yeah, is your cousin, yeah, exactly. a yeah, friend so of mine. So. Marvin's my first. Yeah, for those who know, Marvin's my cousin. Has also been a uh, guest on Jordan's podcast as well. Football podcast. Shout out uh, to Marvin. Marvin is also a Man United supporter. So, uh-huh. yeah, send, send a shout what, out to Mark. Uh, hope, hope you're doing well. Dane, what a, what an episode this week, mate. That uh, What a guest. What, just a joy. A joy. Oh, it's, been, it's been a great episode. Best ever, would you say? Best ever you've had? Difficult say, for us I'd to say do for that. About, I'd say for about 46% of the audience, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, oh, one, actually, one of the best ever. Probably, but no, there's but probably a few Newcastle fans who are offended as well, so you have to take yeah, that down. But no, it's been a really good episode. No, I've enjoyed it. One of the best things about... Asking questions is is the idea of learning more about people. So it's good to learn more about my friends. And um, I'd really love to pick your brain and learn more about basketball, wheelchair basketball. And knowing that it's an underinvested sport in the UK, um, I definitely want to find out more about how we can work towards uh, changing that state. Because, yeah, I'm always uh, very enthused by it. And going back to what we were saying before, Howard, I think if we were going to change our curriculum, uh, physical education we definitely want to put more money time and investment into providing opportunities for disabled students mm. to realize their athletic potential as well, yeah, well so said. i definitely add that to the curriculum well um, and, and also yeah and, and as a part of studies uh creating a world which does uh facilitate um the needs of disabled members of society or a less mm-hmm. ableist society as well because in many ways, like, you know, disability is just a function of the structure around them. Because I always say to people, you may consider a blind person to be disabled, but if you're in a room and there's no light anywhere, that's the one person who's most able out of everyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. been a pleasure. <clears throat> With that being said, Jordan, always a pleasure, my, my guy. Pleasure's all mine, man. Please let our audience know where we can find more about uh, your good works. 
Oh, I'm everywhere, man. Uh, you can catch me on Channel 4 News. I'm their sports correspondent. You can catch my show on TalkSport 2 every Saturday, although we're off for the next month because of rugby commentary staff. But after uh, back in November, uh, every Saturday, 5pm till 7, TalkSport 2, game day phone in. Um, but more importantly than all of that, you can find me on my Blackademic platform, blackademic.com. Um, we are an online uh, network and also a production company that um, are all about empowering our community and, and promoting and empowering black culture. We do shows. You've featured on many of our shows. Absolutely. So I've been on a few of the shows. It's been, it's been a pleasure to be on the shows as well. You've, you've blessed our shows. And we, do, we just discuss and talk about all things relevant to black culture. We just started a discussion on women in business last week, which went really, really well. We've got some more live shows coming up. But yeah, free membership, blackademic.com. That's spelled B-L-A-K-A-D-E-M-I-K. So there's no C, blackademic.com. Go and check it out, folks. Check it out, folks. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for uh, amazing content. And uh, yeah, and uh, let's all let's all do more time to research research about our own friends. (laughs) 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 Thank you very much for coming on the show, Jordan. Anytime, boss. Enjoy it. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Jordan Jarrett Bryan. You can follow Jordan on Twitter at underscore Jordan J. Bryan or on Instagram at Jordan Jarrett Bryan. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.